Hello, church, and welcome to the FUMC Borough Podcast. This week, Reverend Drew Shelley is bringing us our sermon, which is entitled, Just When You Thought You Had It All Figured Out. He's preaching from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 18 through 27, continuing our sermon series, Discipleship in the Eyes of Jesus, A Journey Through Galilee. Also, if you didn't notice, yesterday on this podcast feed, we re-released an episode from our Church at Work podcast, where we interviewed some people from Project Transformation about their amazing ministry and our church's partnership with them. I highly encourage you to go check that episode out. We appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. We would also love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 8.30 a.m. for Modern Worship or 10.30 a.m. for Traditional Worship. Both of those services are offered virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube, or in person. Head on over to fumcm.org for more information about our safety protocols if you choose to join us in person. We are so glad that you have chosen to be in ministry here with us at First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we pray that we can all live into our mission of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. We welcome you again to First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. We're glad to be together for this uh, day of worship, wherever you are and whatever time it might be. Uh, we continue in our series about discipleship, looking at discipleship through the eyes of Jesus as we find it in Luke's gospel. So much there for us to talk about. Very challenging work to think about what it means to follow Jesus, what Jesus said about what it means to follow Jesus. That's where we are in this uh, worship and preaching series. Before we turn to Luke chapter 9, which is our text for today, I want to remind you that if you haven't had a chance yet to view our video about the great life group experiment uh, that begins in just about a week and a half, I would encourage you to do that. Just go to fumcm.org slash life dash groups and you'll find it. You can also just go to the homepage and it's right there on the front. You can click and go to watch the video and then sign up to either be in a life group or uh, let your existing group try this experiment or to lead or facilitate a life group. We've started the facilitator training, of course, for getting folks ready for that. Right now we have about 15 life groups that will be coming online in about a week and a half. So there's, there's room. We're happy to add more. We've got folks ready to, to lead and facilitate these groups. And uh, we're just very excited about what God will do through the Holy Spirit in these life groups. Uh, they are really all about intentional discipleship. They are about living what it is that we talk about on Sunday morning, living it day to day out in the world, wherever we are, in our homes, in our workplaces, at school. Uh, that's what this is all about. We, we want to become and continue to be a church that lives its faith in a very real and powerful way. Our mission, as you've heard me say many times, is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know Him, love Him, and serve Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. Hopefully you've found or received one of these uh, Way of a Disciple cards that helps us understand exactly what that is. I keep mine right here in my wallet. And so today, let's look for just a moment at the Way of a Disciple and think about these six elements of discipleship or six markers of discipleship. Love the Lord your God. 
love your neighbor as you love yourself, living God's new creation in community as a witness. And today, let's think about what does it mean to love the Lord your God with your whole self? How do we do that? How do we actively do that day to day? For me, the most important part of my day is that uh, early morning time when I'm just alone and quiet and worshiping God in my mind, my heart. Sometimes I sing a little bit if nobody's uh, still sleeping around me somewhere. But uh, I like to read the scriptures and think about what I find there and, and just pray and be in God's presence. For me, that is one of the most important ways to love God uh, with my whole being, my whole self. I kind of equate it to those uh, wonderful, quiet cups of coffee with Shannon, my wife. Uh, we love to just sit and drink a cup of coffee and just be in each other's presence. Sometimes we talk about many things. Most of the time, we just sit quietly and look at each other, and that's uh, deeply meaningful. You probably know what I'm talking about. I just want you to think about how we do that with God. How do we love God with our whole self? That's one of those markers of the way of a disciple, something that we can think about and put to practice this week as we try to live what it is that we talk about on Sunday. If you don't have one of these, you can find an online version on our website. We'll be happy to give you one of these little trifold cards that fits right in your wallet so you can get to it anytime and uh, know right where it is. Again, if you haven't signed up for the Great Life Group Experiment, we hope you'll do that. Those groups are built around this little card, The Way of a Disciple, and actually putting into practice that which we talk about and teach and preach about. Let's turn our hearts now to Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 27. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for your word that comes to us from so long ago. For Luke, who wrote all this down, that we might uh, continue to be inspired and challenged by what you say. Send your Holy Spirit to wherever we are. Open our hearts and minds to what you say to us today that it might actually shape and transform how we live. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, and together we say, Amen. So we're moving on through Luke's gospel. We're in chapter 9, and we find uh, a little question and answer moment between Jesus and his disciples. Verse 18, let us hear the word of God. Once when Jesus was praying alone with only the disciples near him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah, and still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, the Messiah of God. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell anyone, saying, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. It's such a troubling statement. Then he said to them all, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. But what does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But truly I tell you, there are some standing here 
who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Imagine Peter and the other disciples. They've been excitedly following this Jesus fellow around Galilee at night. You can imagine them sitting around the fire while Jesus is off somewhere praying, and they're talking amongst themselves, could he really be the one? Could he be the Messiah, the one who will save us? They have made up their minds. They are with him. They are following him. Other people around them chatter. Maybe he's John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the ancient prophets from of old, but this group of ragtag disciples, why, they have decided this Jesus is the one. How blessed are they to have found him or him, them, whichever way it worked. Jesus asks them, who do you say that I am? Peter answers for the group. You are the Christos, the Messiah, the anointed one of God. But there is a complication. What they feel and think about the Messiah is very different than what Jesus is getting ready to tell them about how the Messiah really is going to work. For these disciples, for most Jewish people living under the thumb of the Roman Empire, and really for most oppressed people in any place and time, the idea of a Messiah or Savior is one who sets us free, one who overthrows the status quo, who restores our dignity and status, who gives us the power and wealth and victory, who stomps those oppressors into the ground bringing a sort of a worldly version of justice, which is for just us. That's the Messiah you tell everybody about. That's the good news people want to hear when they've been suffering under oppression at the bottom of the global heap of humanity. Justice isn't complete until we've tasted vengeance. Jesus offers something else. Jesus responds to Peter's correct answer with a stern directive, the same language he uses to cast out demons. He says, don't you dare tell a soul. Further, your Messiah must undergo suffering, humiliating rejection, death, and be raised on the third day. Now, if you still want to follow me, deny yourself daily, take up your cross every day, and keep on following me day by day. If you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it for my sake, says Jesus. In so doing, you'll find the true life that is much more than the stuff of this world. You can almost hear the disciples saying, uh, yes, yes, Jesus. Okay, okay, whatever. Now, when do we get our white horses and weapons so we can overthrow these Romans? You see, sometimes our conception of how things ought to be is so strong that it drowns out any transformation this Messiah, this Jesus, wants to bring to our ways of living and thinking. We can't even hear it. We struggle. We struggle with our expectations of Jesus, too. There is a kind of a watered-down Jesus that gets passed around. He's a lot easier to take than the one we meet in the Scriptures. He's really concerned about us being sweet to each other. He's going to meet all of my needs and take care of my family. He died so that I could go to heaven and not have to deal with all this mess down here. He's got a list of rules that we need to follow so we can qualify for extra fluffy clouds in heaven. He's got all the answers to all my questions. He likes the same kind of worship music we like. He's never going to ask us to do something that makes us uncomfortable. We visit with him once or twice a month to get our dose of Jesus and 
He's just a super nice, laid-back kind of guy. That's this watered-down Jesus. We get this image in our heads sometime, and we say to this image of Jesus, you are the Christos, the Messiah. No, that's not the Christos we meet here in the New Testament. That's easy Jesus, the one made in our image and for our own convenience. The real Jesus is much more challenging. We have to be so very careful which one we're following. One is everything, and the other is an empty, disappointing shell. There is another challenge in this text. For Peter and the disciples, for many of Luke's first readers, this good news of Jesus is coming to people suffering under the thumb of oppression and poverty. They hear these stories of Jesus with the ears of those at the bottom of the global heap of humanity. Meanwhile, we, we hear these stories with the ears of those at the top of the global heap of humanity. Our first decision point is, do we even need this Messiah character? I mean, we're rich, full, happy, and well thought of compared to most of the rest of the world. Where's the good news for us in this? We don't need to overthrow anybody. We're just fine sitting on top. We're going to retire early. Family's happy. Children have at least a master's degree. All is well for us. Not really, but we think it is. Into our reality comes the voice of the real Jesus. Deny yourself daily. Take up your cross every day and keep on following me day by day. If you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it for my sake. In so doing, you'll find the true life that is much more than the stuff of this world. It is a challenging call to discipleship, which makes us dig deeply. To what end is this self-denial, cross-bearing, and life-losing headed? We catch a glimpse of it in the last verse that we read. Verse 27, But truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. We often equate the kingdom of God with heaven, but that's not exactly right. The kingdom of God that we read about in the scriptures is God's new creation, which Jesus brought to life in his life, death, and resurrection. It is both a present and future reality. We're living in it though it is not yet here in all of its fullness. The hallmark of God's kingdom is the salvation of God we find in Jesus, which brings peace with God, peace with each other, and a peace that, passes, that seeks the well-being of every single human being in every place and time. That's where this self-denial, cross-bearing, and life-losing is headed. That's where it's all going. Now, I don't want you to feel guilty about who you are, what you have, what you've accomplished, what you hope to accomplish. You can't help it that you were born into one of the richest countries in the world, that opportunities open before you like daylilies in the middle of the summer, that you had people encourage and challenge you to be more and do more. We can't help any of that. But it does make Jesus' call to discipleship far more challenging for you and for me. There are two perversions of the gospel against which we must guard. One is that this Messiah will keep us in positions of comfort and power, will keep us in positions of comfort and power, and that we will become the always benevolent benefactors of the world. 
That's not right, but we can get there in a hurry in our minds and even in our hearts. Even harder is the notion that we can somehow bring all persons to our level in the world without having to sacrifice anything. That isn't right either, though we'd love for it to be. I think of the brave men and women in our United States Armed Forces who have made the ultimate sacrifice for the cause of freedom here and around the world. I think about the gifts given to me, to us, by their sacrifice. I think about the Christian martyrs of days gone by whose sacrifice of life ensured the passing down of our most holy faith from the days of Nero when he burned them for light for his nighttime parties to those in China and other parts of the world who today suffer tremendously while passing around torn out pages of the New Testament just so people can hear a word about Jesus. Meanwhile, we're worried when Bible study goes a little bit too long. I think about our place and time. I think about the need for a new kind of Christian martyr for those disciples who are truly willing to give up everything in order to live God's new creation, which is constantly at odds with the world, parts of the church, and our own self-interest. Perhaps we have come to a time in history when deny yourself daily, take up your cross every day, and keep on following Jesus day by day really must mean something. When if you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it for my sake is serious business. As I see it, more is required of us now than ever before. Not because of oppression or persecution or government persecution or anything like that at all, but because our own comfort and complacency have become the greatest threat yet to God's new creation. Jesus says to us, deny yourself daily, take up your cross every day, and keep on following me day by day. If you want to save your life, you're going to have to lose it for my sake. In so doing, you'll find the true life that is more than all the stuff of this world. And together, we will find salvation, peace with God, peace with each other, and a peace which seeks the well-being of every single human being. Sign me up for that. What about you? Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks be to God. Amen.